It's 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night at the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco, and it is time for the Cowboys Legends Show. Bill Jones along with Mickey Spagnola, who has outdone himself this season. If we don't have Hall of Famers as our Legends <laughs> guest, we have Hall of Fame finalists as our Legends guest. Everybody here at the Cowboys Club and all across the Cowboys Radio Network, say hello to our Cowboys Legends guest tonight, Gil Brandt, the Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist. Hello, Gil. How you doing? I'm doing great, Bill, and thanks for having me. Thanks, Mickey, for having me. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We're glad to have you, and uh, we're just going to put you in the Hall of Fame right now. We'll just <laughs> that, that, finalize now, 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 stop right there. You remember Hillary Clinton was going to get elected. <laughs> just remember that. Well, the news came down in August, and we'll get into that as we go uh, over the course of the next hour here on the Cowboys Legend Show that uh, Gil had been named. Uh, Hall of Fame finalist along with Broncos owner Pat Bolin. We'll talk about that as we go along, but we'll kick things off talking about the current Cowboys who, of course, take on Jacksonville at AT AT&T Stadium. 325 kickoff on Sunday afternoon after that overtime loss to Houston. Gil, I'd love to get your take right off the bat on what you're seeing out of this Cowboy team through five games. Well, Bill, let me go back for just a second. You know, I I went to 13 different training camps uh, this offseason. And Jacksonville was one of the games, uh, teams that I went to see. Uh, I spent two days there, so if you want to know anything about Jacksonville, I can help you a little bit there, too. All right, I'm taking notes. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, You know, first of all, the competitive balance in the National Football League is unbelievable. Uh, One play, uh, you know, let's let's go to the Giants. And I I picked the Giants to win the East uh, before the season started. And you know, you know they're ahead with two seconds left to play against Carolina, and Grant Cano goes in and kicks a 63-yard field goal. And it's been that way all the time. I told Mickey earlier today that we've had, it's after, at, at, at week five, which this week just passed, it's the first time since 1990 that every team has had a win uh, uh, since 1990. Wow. It was what it is. So I think you're seeing... Uh, the the teams that are the, the as I say the balance is really really good, and uh, the you know Jacksonville uh, didn't match up real good against uh, Kansas City last week, uh, and they they actually ran for they had over 500 yards of offense, uh, and one of the strange things is is that how do two teams uh, like New Orleans and Jacksonville I mean, excuse me, in Kansas City continue to win when both of them give up over 500 yards a game. It, it, it's, just, it's just unbelievable. I, I, you know, I, every Monday and every Tuesday when I look at all these tapes, I just can't believe what goes on in the National Football League. You know, I, I think the Cowboys, uh, I, I thought that they have a good chance to make the playoffs. And I still think they do. I don't think that right now, you know, the 2-3 and three record, uh, is 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 that meaningful? I think you can overcome it. Uh, I do think Washington is pretty good. I think Philadelphia is pretty good. Philadelphia's got a lot of injured guys now. Right now is what they've got. And you've already beaten the Giants once. And you know the biggest thing that when you want to get into the playoffs, make sure you win your own division or, or win the games in your own division because those are the ones that count. So I think that uh, as we sit here, I think the Cowboys have as good a chance as anybody in the East uh, to get into the playoffs and even win the East. Based on what uh, uh, the, 
what you think this team is, the personnel? What, what, do, you, what do you base that on? Well, you know, uh, first of all, I, I, I think the quarterback, I don't think he's as good as he was in 16 when he was 13-3, and three, and I don't think he's as bad as he is right now when they're 2-3. and three. I think he's somewhere in between. And, and you know, last week, uh, and I thought the biggest play of the game, and I guess I'm wrong, uh, was when number 52 was called for holding. It was first and 10 on the 33-yard line. Uh, we had about a 12-yard run out of the running back, and we got called for holding. So instead of being on the 45-yard line and first down, all of a sudden we're back to the 23-yard line is what we are. And then, uh, you know, a tip ba- a pass uh, over Austin's head. Uh, and Reed made the interception is what it did. And so I think the game could have gone both ways. I was really, I thought Smith played as good a p- job as anybody I've seen this year at linebacker. You know, the guy had 12 tackles and a tackle for a loss and forced fumbles and, you know, just did everything. And I was really uh, pleased the way the other linebacker, Vandenesh, played. So I thought those two linebackers played really good. You know, the thing that surprised me a little bit about Houston was how good their right tackle, a guy from Appalachian State that was an undrafted free agent, uh, blocked your best pass rusher. And here's a guy who's found so many undrafted free agents oh. through the years, going back to uh, when he started even before this time with the Cowboys, which of course started in 1960, 29 years with the Cowboys. Can you believe it's been 29 years since you were with the Cowboys? Well, and, and you're, by the way, Gil, is, uh, as most of you know who are National Football League fans, Gil to this day is very active. In fact, uh, leading up to the draft, you are all over the country and, uh, and keeping everybody abreast of all these draft prospects. But 29 years, it's amazing how, many, how, much, how time flies. Well, well Bill, I've, I, I've got a few jobs that are related to 345 Park Avenue. And one of them is that I invite the players to, uh, uh, to the city that the draft is going to be held. And it, it is really a great uh, adventure to do that. Uh, you know, we have uh, mothers that want to come. We have sons that are afraid to come because they're going to be sitting there and, in the second round. And we've really done pretty well uh, as far as bringing people uh, that, you know, like, as an example, we brought the, uh, the pass rusher from uh, UT San Antonio this year. Marcus Davenport. Uh, two years ago, we brought the Neil uh, from, uh, from uh, Florida. To, uh, to, uh, to, to an Atlanta draft. Keanu Neal. Yep. And really, number 22, really a good player. And, and so it's, it's been really a lot of fun doing it. I, I, you get to meet parents, and, and you get to meet the kids. And, you know, all of a sudden, Rosen has become one of my pen pals. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Rosen, huh? <laughs> and so it, it's great. And then I'm, you know, involved in the Super Bowl. I'm involved in the Combine. Uh, and I don't know, a couple other things, too. Is what I am, and uh, you know, right now <clears throat> we are going to have a huge, huge uh, hundred-year celebration next year, and we've already done a whole bunch of it. I I finished doing a segment <clears throat> last week, an hour segment with Peyton Manning, and then Bill Belichick and I are on a committee to uh, to pick the top hundred players of all time. Oh wow! In the National Football League, so <clears throat> it's a lot of fun. Sounds like you're staying busy. I'm staying out of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And you keep doing this. No wonder, uh, you know, you got the nominee for uh, contributor uh, 
for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and not just for what you did with the Cowboys, but even afterwards over these 29 years. Well, Mickey, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of pleased that we did a lot of things first. And, and you know, one of the things, <clears throat> and he doesn't get enough credit for it, was Clint Murkison gave us the money and the wherewithal uh, to do things. You know, in 1962, we started our own computer company. And, and people laughed at us. <clears throat> and when we drafted Mel Renfro, we held up the draft for six hours when we sent a, uh, a doctor, Dr. Slocum, from Portland down to uh, Eugene uh, to check his wrist to be sure it was okay. Because you don't want to draft a ball carrier that's got a bad wrist. And uh, <clears throat> Vince Lombardi came by our, our table and said, uh, <laughs> what's wrong? Did your computer break down? <laughs> said, no, Vince, it's running. <laughs> About three years later, he came up and he said, you know, Gil, he said, uh, I'd be interested in joining that venture with the computer. I said, well, Vince, it costs you $3 million to buy it. And he said, I don't think I'm that interested. <laughs> Six hours? Yeah, to drive from, 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 and that's what the rule now is because of that. <clears throat> we sent the doctor. Dr. Slocum from Portland to Eugene, which is about a hundred and some odd miles, and back back in that and we held up draft up that length of time. And in, they let you do it? There were no no rules against it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know the interesting thing about it is is we drafted Mel on the second round. And well, I'll go back even farther. We had a commitment on a Paul Warfield to be our first pick. Uh huh. And what happened on the morning of the draft in Chicago, and it came during the middle of the season, it came on that weekend after, after Thanksgiving. Uh, on on Monday morning, Coach Landry called me and he said, uh, I know you're not going to like this. And I said, what's that, Coach? He said, we need a veteran wide receiver. And I've just made a trade with Pittsburgh to get Buddy Dial. And uh, he said, he'll be the guy that can help us right now. So uh, Art Modell got angry with us because... Uh, we, we made a deal with, uh, with Warfield, a signing deal, and had Dante Lavelli sitting there to do the deal. <clears throat> and uh, he complained about it. And then he ended up paying about $20,000 more than we did, and he was complaining about the deal that we did. <laughs> so, so, to get him, right? To get him, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Take us back to when you were first hired by the Cowboys in Tex-Ram. Now, you had, had previously worked with Tex, right? With the oh, Rams. Yeah, yeah. Back in the 50s, right? Well, let me, let me tell you how I got to the Cowboys. In October of 1959, Tex called me and he said, uh, I got a job for you. And I said, Tex, I don't know anything about television because he at the time was running CBS and was involved in putting the, the, the uh, Squaw Valley Olympics on. And he said, no, no. He said, we're going to have a, we're gonna have a uh, team in Dallas and he said I'm gonna run the thing and I want you to come to work for me and I said that's good He said now just one thing Steal as much from the Rams as you can so we can go out and sign all these free agents <laughs> And so so anyway uh, With Tex everything was easy. He said now, you know Bob Blackman at Dartmouth. Yeah, that'd be really easy We'll go up and sign that guy. That'd be real easy So I took a train up to White River Junction, Vermont and went over to 19 Lime Road is where Bob Blackman house was and and uh, uh, my guy was sitting there uh, and uh, but little did I know that he was also had been the first round draft choice of the San Diego uh, the LA Chargers 
And, and so I'm bidding uh, for Jake Krauthammel, the running back from Dartmouth, and uh, uh, I sign him. I won this recruiting battle against Frank Leahy. And I sign him and I give him $7,500, not just, just a contract if he made the team. And I, I couldn't wait to get across the street to the White Bear Inn, I think it was, and, <laughs> and, and get my quarters and drop them in there and tell Tex we just signed our first guy. First question, how much we pay? <laughs> I said, Tex, you have to understand. I don't, I don't understand anything. I just want how much we pay. I said, $7,500. He said, oh, my gosh, I can't trust you. We'll be broke. Uh, and, and, you know, now $7,500, uh, free agents get more than that for signing. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> We're just getting started with Gil Brandt on the Cowboys Legends Show. More trips down memory lane with the great Gil Brandt in just a moment from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Back, back, back. It's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. Oh, Big Ben struck midnight. To the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. SWBC Mortgage, for more than 40 years, SWBC has been helping people, companies, and financial institutions prepare to win in Texas and across the country. Visit SWBC.com to learn more. (laughs) Cowboys Legends Show from the Cowboys Club here at the Star in Frisco. We're here each and every Wednesday night from 7 to 8 o'clock. Bill Jones with Mickey Spagnola. And we've got the great Gil Brandt with us uh, tonight until 8 o'clock. You can catch Gil, by the way, normally on Wednesday nights on Sirius XM NFL Radio. You're on, what, from uh, 6 to 10 o'clock every Wednesday? 6 to 10, Central? and on Saturday, on Friday nights they've extended us an hour. We're on to 11 o'clock, and then I'm on Saturday mornings and on Sunday mornings. Four hours. Yeah. He needs more than that. Five too. hours. Five hours. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell us how much Sirius XM has grown in the time that you've been there. Well, I've been there 15 years. And uh, uh, it, 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 Steve Cohn, who runs it and is off the charts and does such a great job, uh, initially, uh, about a year in, uh, we didn't think it was going to succeed. And uh, luckily, uh, the owner or the the predominantly owner uh, had some faith in it. And so we grew from about 1,200 subscribers to 33 million subscribers. Wow. And, and as an example, we'll take a sh- uh, 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 on a Wednesday night, we'll probably have uh, 30 callers from 20 different states, and, and we ring the bell for the first-timers, which is a great gimmick, and we have double-digit first-time callers all the time, and and we get them from Mexico. We'll we'll have three from Canada, uh, you know, every state in the United States. Uh, we get them from. So it's it's really eventful. Well, let's see if we've got a first-time caller here on the Cowboys Legend Show. We've got Danny Sarek out uh, in the crowd here with the wireless microphone. Danny, how you doing? Doing well, thanks. We do have a question for you, Gil, and it comes from Drisco, who is from Frisco. And he is not a first-time caller. Oh, Drisco is a regular no, he is here. He's a no bell. Gentleman. I know that gentleman. We're he not ringing any bell for Drisco. <laughs> hey, Gil. Uh, no, you're a legend here, but uh, you know the trades you you made to get players, impact players like Randy White, Two Tall Jones, uh, Dorsett. Uh, what what? Tell us about Two Tall Jones. I mean, that guy is probably the most underrated guy as far as 
as great players we've had that probably ought to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, if, he, if he had all the stats they do today, I think he'd be there. Let me, let me tell you an interesting story about Ed Tutal Jones from Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, we and, and, and Cornell Green will collaborate this. Uh, we accidentally found out through, Cor uh, through Tutal's brother-in-law, uh, Red, who was a basketball coach, and Cornell related to him. <clears throat> we found out that he'd been there at uh, four years at uh, Tennessee State. And so we went to the commissioner, and, or Tex went to the commissioner, and said we're going to use a choice on Ed Tutal Jones a year before we actually drafted him. And he said, the only way you can do that is if you tell everybody else. And in Texas words, well, you know, screw you. <laughs> We're not going to do that. And, and we made a trade with Sid Gilman in which we traded Tony Smith and Billy Parks for their first-round pick. And their first-round pick came up the, the number one pick in the draft that year. And um, so what happened is, is that uh, there was the war between the leagues, the AFC and the NFC. And John Mackey was representing uh, Tutal Jones and, and some high-powered uh, person out in, in uh, California uh, with an agency was also there. And uh, I, I was able to uh, get Tutal signed. One of the things that really helped us a lot was that the mother was, a, was a Aggie, was her name, was a great lady. And, and so Cornell and I went over there during this recruiting process and we, we got a wicker basket that they used to carry wash around in with them and filled it up with groceries. <laughs> the mistake we made is we bought some ice cream and put it on the top because she was always home. Well, it just so happens now we pull up with the food and ice cream and she's not there. And we, we can't find her. Well, she had been to the washeteria and we weren't smart enough to go down there. Uh, but that was kind of the recruiting story. And then you know, when he retired, uh, he called and said, uh, uh, myself and my agent want to come over and talk to you. And I said, okay. I, you know, I figured they want to renegotiate. And, uh, and sure enough, he said, you know, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go into boxing. Uh, and, and that's it. But uh, the, the story on, on Dorsett is, is really unbelievable because I traded a, a quarterback, Clint Longley, uh, to Tommy Prothrow, who is a very good friend of mine, for a first-round choice. And, and one of the reasons that enabled it to happen was because we used to scrimmage all the time, and the guy was really good. He was, he was a really good passer, smart as all heck. And so we made that trade, and then we traded with, uh, with um, uh, Seattle. And one of the great things out of the Seattle trade was that they had the second pick in the draft. And we were we were concerned. We wanted Dorsett. We didn't want Ricky Bell. And not that he, we didn't think he was good enough, but we just thought that Dorsett was a lot better. So we had this gigantic discussion. Red Hickey, Tom Landry, Gil Brandt. And uh, Red loved Ricky Bell, and rightfully so. <coughs> and uh, I liked Dorsett. And so so uh, Tex said, uh, well, get out the probability report. And we had this huge book with uh, probabilities of him playing, being an all-pro, a pro bowler, a, a, a starter on a winning team, and so forth. And Red made his spiel, and, you know, here's a guy that's been a head coach in the National Football League, uh, a player in the National Football League, and I made mine. And, and so uh, Coach Landry said, uh, get the probability book out. So we got the probability book out, and, and Dorsett 
probability of being all pro, 97%. Ricky Bell, zero. Pro, Bell, pro Bowl, Ricky Bell, uh, Dorsett, 100%. Ricky Bell, like 3%. Red said, stop. I bow to the machine. <laughs> so you were using analytics before analytics became popular. We were using uh, them quite a few years beforehand. So when you made the trade to get up that high, was it with the idea that you were taking oh, yeah. Dorsett? Yeah, and then, you know, we almost blew the whole thing because uh, what happened is is that uh, uh, we, Buck Buchanan was an equipment man. Mm -hmm. So we, we told Buck, said, now go and get a 33 jersey and put Dorsett's name on it. And so the people that were doing this called Lundquist, Vern Lundquist, and said, hey, the Cowboys are going to draft Dorsett. Oh, they're not going to draft Dorsett. They're not, they're, they, don't, they don't have a draft choice to get there. And, uh, you know, Lundquist said, I sure wish I'd have listened, listened, to, listened to those people. Uh, at the <laughs> oh, so he side. had the story, but he didn't. He had the yeah. story, yeah. He didn't That's tip funny. anybody off. That is funny. You know, you mentioned Cornell Green, which was another one of your finds, and then Cornell Green went into scouting, and I guess – in 74, when Tutal was the first pick, he was just retiring from the NFL. And so did you mentor Cornell Green into this business? Cornell Green is one of the greatest people in the world. Uh, you know, I'll I, I tell you a story about how Green, incidentally, his brother, Pumpsy, right, Red Sox. was the first Afro-American player in the Red Sox chain. And I, so I went up to, uh, it was March 5th, I went up to uh, Logan, Utah. And that's a chore to get there. And, uh, and I had to negotiate with John Ralston and Liddell Anderson, who was the basketball coach at Utah State. And I offered them $250 to sign. And, and, uh, and uh, no, 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 we need more than that. We need a lot more than that. We need a lot more than that. And I'm trying to negotiate and say, well, you know, Cornell's never played football. He's never played football. So finally, after sitting there about three hours, I said, just out of curiosity, what are you looking for? We want $500. I said, no. <laughs> I said, you mean I sat here for 200, three hours for $250? But the greatest story of all, we went to training camp that year at Marquette, Michigan. And, and you know, the year before or two years before, uh, the, the first training camp that we went to was at St. John's Military Academy. And they hung me in effigy uh, because the place was so bad. The, and, the players? Yeah, the players. <laughs> And, and so what happened is, is uh, to both of you, uh, this, this particular year, I said, okay, well, sir, I said, first of all, send me a temperature chart. And it's okay, we, you know, it's, oh, the days are in the 70s all the time here. We practiced one morning, it was 36 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the, the head coach at the time phoned up the uh, report for us. But I had to go and, and, and put sod on the field. Because I, was, I didn't want to be hung in effigy again. <laughs> and so we, we paid $9,200 to sod a field. And, and Cornell, we, 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 and we had a great group that year. We had George Andre, uh, Pettis Norman, Dave Manders. It was really, really a great group. And uh, so we went down to play in, in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. We played the Colts down there. And, uh, and you, knew, you always knew when Coach Landy liked you. It was Nicky. If he didn't like it, it was Spagnola. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, uh, Cornell gets beat by a touchdown for a touchdown by Jim Orr, Jimmy Orr. And he's coming off the field. And uh, Tom said to him, Cornell, Cornell, what happened out there? He said he came down and he stomped on my foot. 
And he said, that's an old trick. They're going to do that all the time. He said, Cornell, Cornell, why aren't you wearing any hip pads? He said, well, coach, you know that part that hangs down in front? It was rugging my legs wrong. <laughs> He'd been wearing his hip pads backward for six weeks. <laughs> That'll happen with basketball players. So, yeah. <laughs> so he, he had played basketball there. Did he have basketball opportunities? He in was the, the first, first round draft choice of the Chicago Stags in the, uh, what, in the, in the National Basketball Association. Right. And he'd, wow. he'd rather take a chance at football? I think he, I think he liked the $500 initially. <laughs> <laughs> and he had never played. For, uh, did he play like in high school at no, least? No, no. Nothing. Mm. So I, what made you decide, I can turn this guy into a defensive back? Well, we worked him out. We worked out of probably as many basketball players as we did football players. You know, we, we, we worked out a tackle. I can't remember his name now. Johnson uh, from Bob Knight called us and said, Gil, get up here. I want you to sign this guy. <laughs> so it was a year of the strike, and uh, and Johnson was was a big tackle, and and we initially signed him to be a defensive end, and there was a strike, and so we had to play him a tackle, offensive tackle, and we put him on waivers, and lo and behold, we didn't think anybody's going to take a basketball player, and the Cincinnati Bengals uh, claimed him, and if you look at his record. For four years, he led the Cincinnati Bengals in sacks, is what he did. Uh, but with, and what, we, what we would do is work all these guys out. We did the three-cone drill and everything that you want to do. And, and we kind of just rolled the dice uh, on them. We, we, had, uh, we had another one, that uh, a basketball player named Williams from West Virginia, that uh, we would have signed, I think, we, we, and we drafted and would have signed but he became a first-round draft choice of the, uh, of the, of the Oakland, or the, whatever the, that franchise is. And they just paid him too much money because, you know, that, that, that was, then it was like a $20,000 signing bonus, and we weren't in that business at that price. Mickey, who was the best basketball player that Gilbrandt ever drafted? Best basketball, best basketball player, player he drafted. Best head coach, too. Well, well now you got me. Okay. All right, I was going Lou Hudson, but you're going Pat oh, Riley. Yeah, yeah, Lou Hudson was really good. And you know what? We signed him. Yeah. We had him signed first. And, and, and Ben Kerner uh, ran the or owned the St. Louis basketball team. And, uh, and he called and he begged and he begged and he begged. And I said, you know, Ben, we got him signed. We don't have to give him to you. And, and so he, I finally said, give me my $5,000 back that I signed him. And, uh, and, uh, but Lou Hudson was a great high school basketball, uh, great yeah. high school football player. Oh, was he really? He was yeah. a six-time in, NBA All-Star. In, in North Carolina. But Pat Riley was pretty good, too. He was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, he traded for a pretty good basketball player. <laughs> Which one? Preston Pearson. Yeah. Preston Pearson. That's well, we didn't right. trade for him. We picked him up on waivers. Oh, you waivers. picked him on there waivers. Yeah. yeah. It was a Steeler turned cowboy, went to Illinois to school and blocked Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's shot. He was known as Lou Alcindor at the Galesburg, time. Galesburg, Illinois. There yeah. you go. All Galesburg, right. Silver Streaks. Would you believe I've been to Galesburg to watch I, a high I school it. basketball game? I believe it. Game? But I also guarantee you Gilbrandt's been more places than well, Mickey Spagnuolo I know that. And we continue with Gilbrandt on the Cowboys Legends Show in just a moment. The SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Fans United, where you can find game day gear for every Cowboys fan. Visit 
shopfansunited.com to find a location near you. We're at the Star in Frisco, home of the Dallas Cowboys. Bill Jones, Mickey Spagnola with Gil Brandt. And this is an absolutely amazing place out here at the Star, it, it, isn't it? It really is. I mean, it's unbelievable. Just ask the Highland Park football team. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, they, they've got a, quite a record out here. Yes, they do, undefeated. Yep. Yep. This beat Forrest and Abrams? I said, does this beat Forrest and Abrams? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by a country mile. <laughs> Danny Sarek with the wireless microphone. Anyone in attendance here at the Cowboys Club, if you got a question for Gil, find Danny, and you can ask a question. Danny, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I actually have a question myself for Gil. All right. I'll tell you what. This is a very attractive, smart young lady from the University of Missouri. Absolutely. From Plano Senior best, High right? School, and, too. And, and let me just tell you this, Mickey. I bet I can tell you something about her that you can't. What's that? How old she is. <laughs> you already did your research, huh? <laughs> he did. He did. Gil, my question is, looking back, who's the one player that got away from you from the draft? Oh, the one that... Whew. Uh, there's one a, that you really wanted. Uh, Lawrence Taylor. Mm. Yeah? Yeah, we thought we had a chance to trade for him. What year would have this been? 82 uh, or so? Whatever year. I, I forget what year 80... it was. And That uh, sounds right. I saw him play in college at Oklahoma. He played for North Carolina at Oklahoma in, in the 81 season. Made tackles so, all over the place. Yeah. I, I was at the, uh, the Clemson-North uh, Carolina game. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the general manager, Young, uh, was there also. And we saw this guy make about 25 tackles. And uh, the, the second, you know, he was the second player picked. Second pick in 81. Yeah. And, and then the first pick uh, wore number 38 and from Duluth, Georgia. You know who it is? The running back. Uh, Herschel? No, no, uh, no. No, too soon. He was he was a Heisman Trophy winner. George Rogers. George Rogers. Yes, sir. Number one, number thirty-eight. Not many thirty-eights yep. are ever worn. See, I thought you were tricking me. <laughs> <laughs> so he got. So Lawrence Taylor got away from you. Yeah, he did. And and I'll tell you one other guy that got away from us as a as a free agent was Joe Jacoby. We thought we had Joe Jacoby, who should be in the Hall of Fame, the Washington offensive lineman. Uh, out of Louisville. We thought we had him signed and uh, we just kind of relaxed and all of a sudden uh, the Redskins swooped in there and got him. But he was the one that we really wanted that got, we, we didn't, uh, we lost. Now, if I remember right, you had your eye on Jerry Rice. Well, Jerry Rice, <laughs> it, it still rankles me. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, uh, we, we were very good about letting people uh, come to training camp and uh, we had uh, Jim Sweeney was the head coach at Montana State at the time and he brought a he, he brought a uh, assistant coach from Butte High School that later became the general manager of the New England Patriots Sam Jankovitz mm. and uh, so when Brown got picked by uh, Cincinnati we thought we were home free and uh, unfortunately, uh, a guy by the name of Bill Walsh uh, jumped ahead of us and, and took Jerry Rice. And you know, the interesting thing about Jerry Rice was that he didn't really run that fast. Uh, and, and you know, one of the things we're gonna do on this 
on this uh, 20, 2019 100-year anniversary show is, is show the actual computer. We're going to show. Oh wow! We, oh really? Yeah, we got the old. We had to get it from Ver, uh, from Rhode Island. We got an actual computer, an IBM 360 computer, and we've got s- uh, scouting reports on on Peyton Manning. We got scouting reports on on, on Jerry Rice. We got scouting reports on uh, uh, oh another really good player. So somebody kept that data. I have it. You have <laughs> it. I have it. Mickey, my garage has 150 boxes in it. We need to come and video your garage. <laughs> so one of the things uh, I think Gil alluded to was having to, once you drafted some of these guys back in the day, there was two leagues, and you had to basically negotiate to try to get the guy to uh, recruit to right. get him to come to you. So tell the story about uh, your first draft pick, Bob Lilly. On, on out of TCU, on how you had to try to convince him uh, to sign with the Cowboys. I was 28 years old, and I'm 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 going against Lamar Hunt. Okay. And it's in East West game. He was staying at Stern Hall, on uh, on the uh, campus of Stanford University, and I took him to dinner. And while at while we were at dinner, we talked about a contract, and. Uh, I signed him to a contract. And this was already, you had already drafted him? We had already drafted him, Okay. Yep. And I signed him to a contract, $12,000 contract, $4,000 signing bonus. And uh, Tex was okay with that? Well, wait a minute. Now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Tex was prone to have a few cutty sarks before he went to bed at night. Right. <laughs> and so when you, when it's 11 o'clock West Coast time, it's 1 o'clock this time. And I was really excited, and I and I, I called Tex. I said, Tex, we just signed Lily. How much we pay? How much we pay? Mm-hmm. I said, no, wait a minute. How much we pay? I said, first of all, we did a much better deal than Green Bay did with Adderley. They said they paid Adderley's first-year contract was fifteen thousand, a five thousand signing bonus. Our deal is twelve thousand dollars with a four thousand dollars signing bonus. I can't trust you. I cannot <laughs> trust you. No, we're going to go broke. Uh, and we ended up with Bob Lilly. But you had to convince him before. Who did? did uh, so Kansas City or the Dallas Texans took him, or had they been? Yeah. Yeah, they, they yeah, were still the yeah, Texans. They did. Uh, huh. So you had to. You know, we also were recruited against the Texans with Roger Staubach. Really? Now, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I do remember that. And his colonel kind of pointed him towards the NFL. Well, we, we what we did is. is uh, a little skullduggery. We had a, uh, a Michigan, not you, <laughs> a Michigan State basketball coach named Danny Peterson was coaching at the Naval Academy, and we uh, gave Danny a bobbin or two and said, "This is your project. Let us know exactly what happens." And uh, you know, every day uh, he was telling Roger how great the Cowboys are, what a big, great organization, and so forth. <laughs> so immediately after the uh, Army Navy game in Philadelphia. We happened to be playing there that weekend. Uh, 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 Colonel Borden, who was at the academy, I think he was the athletic director, uh, brought him over to our hotel, and we made our deal uh, that night uh, after the Army-Navy game uh, for Starbucks. Huh. It's interesting how, how things worked back then. Especially you didn't know I had all these stories, didn't you? I, I knew well, no, you had. No, no, we, no, we knew. We're just trying to un, unearth them. You, you, you can see how they fill four hours on Sirius XM yes. NFL radio every Wednesday night. All right, we continue with Gil Brand on the Cowboys Legends Show in just a moment. Touchdown. It's a touchdown. 
struck midnight. To the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Cowboys Legends Show continues from here at the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Bill Jones with Mickey Spagnola. Gil Brandt is our Legends guest, the Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist. We got white lightning in the house as well. Doug Donnelly just came up and said hello. Well, he's something else, you know. He, uh, uh, I, I just told him that in the in that uh, the game, the Clark game, you know, he would have caught in all probability the pass coming over from right to left, but they they did such a good job of tying his shoulder down, the Ohio State doctors, that it kind of restricted. <laughs> what he could reach for, see, and uh, and he we came up about two inches short. Yeah, and Doug Donnelly, by the way, a second round draft oh, pick yeah, in 1981. White Lightning. That's right. That's right. Danny Sarek has the wireless microphone. Hello, Danny. Hi, guys. Gil, the next question for you comes from Buzz, who's all the way come here from all the way from Arkansas. Great. Area code 501. <laughs> Gil, have a, did you see any good wide receiver? Recruits out there this weekend, or do you know? Can you name any that you're, are out you're there? You're looking for a true player. number one. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, oh you yeah. Know, you know oh, there yeah. there are some good receivers. Probably the best guy is an underclassman uh, at at uh, o, at uh, Ole Miss. A guy by the name of Brown is is probably the best one out there. Uh, but there are five or six uh, pretty good wide receivers. You know, there's probably going to be 85 underclassmen come out this year. And there's going to be probably three of those underclassmen come out this year that are wide receivers that are going to be picked in the first round. So there's going to be a bunch of them. Good yeah. question. Appreciate, Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I want you to tell uh, the story about uh, Walt Garrison's inline trailer that he wanted as a signing bonus. He talked to us about it two weeks ago. How did you know about how to buy an inline trailer? Well, First of all, Mickey, I knew the car price of every car go, and I knew exactly what a Pontiac Bonneville sold for. Which he wanted, right? No, he wanted to, to you know, what that's what most of the guys was a hot car at the time. Uh-huh. That and, and, and the Riviera that I wrecked uh, when I hit a cow. Which, which will be the next story you tell. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I said, well, uh, I, I guess you want a Pontiac. No. He said, no. I said, well, what do you want? He said, I want a Miley inline trailer. I had no idea what a Miley inline trailer was. And so I had to go out and, you know, I, I didn't know if it was going to be $10,000 or what. I think he was a fourth-round pick. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting because uh, uh, Oklahoma State, when he was there, they beat Oklahoma two years in a row. They cost Gomer Jones his job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so then, and, then when, and, he, and I want a hit, trailer hitch on him. So the trailer hitch was like $125. I don't know if he told you about Tex getting down one day in front of the uh, front of there. He wanted to see what he bought. <laughs> he wanted to see what he bought for $125. Well, you'd be glad to know that that trailer's still on his on his ranch. You got the Riviera story? Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, s- signing bonus. They used to give car- buy cars for these guys for their signing bonus, Leroy Jordan, right? Yeah, well, let me, let me tell you what happened. Leroy Jordan, and what a great player, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, we got a lot of guys that should be in the Hall of Fame. But anyway, uh, I, I, bought, I went to Ewing Buick and, and bought this Riviera complete with power windows and everything possible. 
uh, paid $6,200 for it. And Leroy will tell you this was his dream car. Yes. He always wanted one of these things. Well, you have to take Leroy back to where he grew up, too. But anyway, so they they had a special order it. And and so the car wasn't going to be there for a month or so. And and, and I said, Leroy, don't worry. I'll, I'll drive the car back over to Tuscaloosa for you. So it was in March. And I'm coming up over these few hills outside of Starkville, Mississippi. And I hit a cow. There were four cows in the road, and I hit a cow. <laughs> and, and just totaled the car. And so the guy behind me. How was the cow? The dead. <laughs> but that's not the finish of the story. So anyway... Mississippi State, I, well, the guy behind me said, he said, uh, can I help you? I said, well, I got a friend here in town, John Majors. I said, if you just let me get into town, I'll call him, and, and uh, you know, we can take care of all this. So we went to Majors. I stayed with Majors. The next morning, we went down to the sheriff's office to report this accident. We got in there, and there's a massive group of people. I said, what the heck's going on here? Well, Mississippi State was trying to go to the NCAA tournament, and they had a rule in the state of Mississippi that a school could not play against a team of color. And so I finally got to meet Sheriff Johnson, and I told him my story. He said, that was my daddy's cow you killed last night. Oh. <laughs> he said, how do you want to take care of that? I said, how do I want to take care of it? I said, who's going to tell Leroy that I wrecked this car? <laughs> Amazing so stories. Did, did you get off? Did I get did off? Did you have to pay the for the oh, cow? Oh, no, no, no. We've got Bedford Wynn to represent us. <laughs> there you no. go. There and you then go. you had to call Leroy and tell and him. I had to call Leroy and tell him. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. Um, I got a wide receiver for you in the college ranks right now, University of Colorado out of DeSoto High School. The guy's Lavisca tearing him up. He's a, he's a, he's a, yeah. he, he's a junior, uh, and he's really good. I, I think he had three touchdowns again last week. What was his yep. name again? LaVisca Chenault. Yep. He's got a younger brother, Levante Chenault, who's committed to Texas Tech. But he's playing for Colorado. Mike McIntyre, former yep. Cowboys assistant coach, he's got him there 5-0 and right now, Colorado. He, and they, they, beat, they beat, I think, Utah last week, which is a really good team. Uh, or No, they beat Arizona State, excuse yep. me, yep. last week. Uh, but uh, I don't know a lot about him, uh, but he's one of those underclassmen, again, and I'm sure he'll be one of those guys that I said is going to be in the and, draft. And they're talking about him being a Heisman candidate. All right, I want to ask you about the quarterbacks in this league, and it's just amazing how many young quarterbacks are tearing it up right now. Well, we have nine quarterbacks right now that are starting that are under 27 years of age. Mm. This is what we have. What, what's happened is this, is that, and it, it all becomes out of Flower Mound High School. Uh, you know, everybody in the state of Texas was running the, was running the ball, and Flower Mound back 20 years ago, I think yep. it was. Before. Flower Mound Marcus with Chris Sanders? Yes. Yep, there you go, 96. And, and that's uh, 22 years yep, ago. That's right. I guess. But uh, anyway, or, uh, what happened was is that all of a sudden everybody's starting to throw the ball. And, and so consequently, uh, what's happening in Texas, now you just pick up a, a, a Saturday morning paper, and you'll see Highland Park throws the ball 47 times. This school throws it 50 times and so forth. And, and what, what's happened is it's all over the country. It, it doesn't make any difference if it's in South Dakota or Montana or wherever. Everybody's throwing the ball. And uh, then uh, not only did they do that, but seven on seven. And seven on seven became popular in California. 
And now if school ends on May 31st, on about June 3rd, seven-on-seven seven starts. And they have this seven-on-seven seven tournament every year where they bring in teams from all over the country. And, and I think that's the reason that we have so many good quarterbacks. And I'll tell you what, the best quarterback I've ever seen is a junior at Oregon by the name of Herbert. And the interesting thing about it is he went to school. Uh, he, he was not recruited <coughs> by anybody except Mount, Mountain West. He threw two touchdown passes last week uh, by Mountain West team, or not Mountain West, Big Sky teams. And his father, his, his father went to Oregon State. His mother went to Oregon State, but his grandfather went to Oregon. And, and it, the grandfather's name was Schwab. He was there in 1963. I remember him. And, and, and this, Charles Schwab. This guy, this guy is, I think, is going to be unbelievable. Justin he, Herbert. Justin Herbert. He's like 6'5", 240 pounds, and he runs about 4'6". Oh, my. Wow. But you're right. I mean, in fact, they're playing seven-on-seven seven like in grade school now. It's and like a year – football's a year-round thing, and it's a trickle-up effect. Yeah, and Oregon lost one game this year to Stanford, and they were in the first half. They were ahead by about 20-some points, yeah. and he had completed like 18 out of 20 passes. And then what happened is they got real conservative, and then in the overtime they lost because he threw an interception. You know, Tom Brady echoed exactly what you said. I saw a quote from him this week saying the NFL has now just become a more celebrated uh, college football and with the spread offenses and so forth right now. So Texas, the state, kind of lagged behind because everybody was running the wishbone. Yeah. Did you think ever think they would, like, change and say, okay, I need a quarterback that can throw the ball? You know, Mickey, success brings change. And, and when Marcus won the state championship – uh, all of a sudden, everybody said, that's what we got to do. And it's this gradual process, and uh, it's come to fruition. Yep. And yeah. it was Sam Harrell and Ennis. They started running no huddle, okay, which is about 1999-2000. South Lake Carroll followed. Highland Park has made a habit of it for years. And incidentally, Stafford, 12 years ago. incidentally, when you talk about Harrell, uh, young Harrell is the offensive coordinator at North Texas State. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be another Lincoln Riley someday yep. as a coach. Very, very good coach. Graham right. Harrell, of course, played quarterback at Texas Tech right. and is the offensive coordinator for Seth Luttrell at North Texas, which is 5-1 and one right now and right. off to a great start. Gil, it's been great having you. Thanks. I'm glad to Thank be here. Thank you. This was wonderful. Can't Walk wait down. for Groundhog's Day <laughs> in Atlanta. Pro Football Hall of Fame finalists. That's when he'll be voted in. We're confident of that. And, Gil, we appreciate you joining us here on the Cowboys Legends Show. We've got Thurman's Thieves next week. We've got Dennis Thurman coming your way next week on the Cowboys Legends Show from here at the Cowboys Club at the Star in Prisco. We'll see you again next week.